February is the month of red hearts and candy and chocolates and showering the people you love with affection. And so on that note, I wanted to talk this month about all the things that have to do with something I call the love bank. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. Now, the love bank is a concept that I actually heard about in a relationship book about 12 years ago. It was a random weekday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Steve and I were at Walgreens picking up a prescription. We were still doing everything together at this point, still early in our relationship. Uh, We were waiting for this prescription and Steve picks up this book that's on a rack standing right next to us at the checkout. It was a relationship book, a Walgreens waiting room relationship book. And he picks it up and he's just thumbing through it. You know, we're bored. And he opens this page and starts reading it to me. And it's describing this thing called a love bank. And here's the basic concept. In every relationship, romantic or not, you have a love bank with the other person. And that love bank is filled with deposits or withdrawals are taken out of it. Now, deposits are any time you do something for the other person that is positive, that is showing them that you care, and really it's demonstrating trust. So anytime you tell them you're going to do something or you say you're going to do something and then you do it, you are putting deposits into your love bank. And on the flip side, anytime you let this person down or you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, that is an example of a withdrawal. And the book was saying that the strength of a relationship is determined often by how many deposits to withdrawals you have in your shared love bank. And the other part of this that I thought was really fascinating is that a a withdrawal and a deposit are not equal. So it takes a lot of deposits to make up for one withdrawal. I kind of see this as a parallel to the experience I'm sure a lot of you have had where if you get a lot of positive feedback on something, but then you get one negative piece of feedback. Let's say you put a piece of content out there and everyone's like, this is amazing. This is great. I love this article or this post or whatever. And then somebody says like, ugh, I've heard this before, or I don't like this. I don't know about you, but I tend to really focus on that negative one disproportionately to the rest of the positive feedback. And so I think it's kind of similar to that in a love bank situation. You know, one withdrawal cannot be made up for with one deposit. Anyway, we put the book back on the rack, we get our prescription, we leave. But we keep talking about this concept of the love bank because not only did it really resonate with both of us, but we were in the midst of starting our business at that point, And it felt like there were a lot of parallels to the relationship that you have with a partner or a close friend and the relationship that you have with a client. And I started to realize that actually there is a love bank with clients as well. 
And the more you show up and do what you say you're going to do and um, set and then meet or surpass expectations, the more goodwill and love there is in this bank. And every time on the flip side, every time you miss a deadline or you, you know, don't get back to a client in a timely fashion or you drop the ball on something, those withdrawals are dramatic. They can sometimes be a deal breaker. I mean, how many times have you dropped the ball, especially in the very beginning of a relationship with a client where you drop the ball and that's it, you lose them or you never sign them because you missed this, you know, maybe not huge thing, but you miss it. Well, let me give you an example from real life and then I'll give you a a client example. In real life, I can think of my friends who are always on time right? So no matter when I meet them, they always arrive a little early or on time. When those friends are late, I never feel any sort of way about it. Think of a friend who's always on time for you and then think of how you feel when they're late. I mean, the assumption when somebody who's always on time is late is, oh my gosh, something must have happened, right? I mean, I actually get worried about this person because they're always on time, right? So I'm used to them meeting that expectation. And so when they aren't, my immediate default thought is that something must have happened or there is an extenuating circumstance. And when they finally get there, whatever happened, I'm like, oh, it's okay, no problem. Because generally, I really believe and trust that you are always there when you say you're going to be there. And on the flip side, the friend who is never on time, who's always making you wait, who's canceling on you left and right, whether the excuse or the reason that they're canceling on you or late whether it's legitimate or not, you don't have the same goodwill about that situation because they're always late. They always cancel, right? So they don't have a lot of goodwill, at least in the love bank of, you know, showing up when they say they're going to show up. And so I think that's a good, uh, it's like a really common experience that a lot of us have. And by the way, you may be the person who shows up late, right? And it's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that the person on the other side is going to come to have different expectations about how you show up for them. So how does this translate to clients? Well, I had someone share recently that they did an initial lead product engagement with somebody. They did a really good job, but they accidentally spelled the name of the business wrong on the brief. Now, despite the fact that they gave a really amazing interview and a really thoughtful brief. And they spent a lot of time on this brief and they gave this strategy and it was amazing. The client, I'll say, I think blew it out of proportion a little bit, but the client was understandably pretty pissed that their name was misspelled on this brief. And the person did not end up getting this client. um, And they attribute it mostly to the fact that they misspelled the name, which was an honest mistake that they also were really upset at themselves for because it was a detail, but it was an important detail. And, you know, they expressed to me that they were kicking themselves because that's not the kind of thing they usually do. Obviously, it was just a mistake. They're a very detail-oriented person. And they put so much time and thought and effort into the brief that, you know, basically just couldn't see it because they were looking at it for so long. Gosh, we have all been there. You know, mistakes happen even when you're trying really hard. God knows I have had typos over the years. No matter how many times you read something, sometimes your brain just can't see it. So 
That is a great example of, even though there was a lot of goodwill in that relationship, this person gave a really thoughtful interview, they wrote a very thoughtful brief, and they had a lot of interesting things um, and value to deliver. Their love bank wasn't full enough of deposits such that it would counteract that withdrawal. Now, I can promise you that if that client had been their client for a longer project, if they had been working together for a while and that client had a lot more deposits, which they obviously would because this person I'm talking about is, you know, an exceptional uh, business owner and delivers very high value, then a little farther down the road, when that deposit bank was very, very full, the accident, the, the typo of misspelling the name, even though it's a big deal, would not have garnered such a dramatic response. I mean, this woman was basically angry at this person and as, as much as said, like, we would never work with you because of this glaring mistake. But the reason that they were, you know, I guess justifiably felt like they didn't want to work with them because of this mistake is because there wasn't enough other deposits to counteract it. And I share this because this concept of thinking about this love bank you have, and when it comes to clients, I call it a trust bank because trust and love really do go hand in hand. Thinking about this love bank that you have with clients and making sure that every interaction you have with them is only filling deposit after deposit after deposit, especially in the first big leg of their experience of you, is going to be key to having a really successful relationship with them during your projects. And so that's what I want to talk about this month. What do deposits look like? How can we create situations to put more deposits in? Are we just supposed to buy them presents? Well, that's one thing you can do, but it's not the only thing. Sometimes it just has to do with really setting and managing and fulfilling on expectations. And on the flip side, what kind of withdrawals do we absolutely at all costs need to avoid? And what kind of things are withdrawals that can sour a relationship before it's even started that you might not even be aware of? There are a lot of withdrawals that you can take from a client relationship before the project has even started that you may not even know you're doing. And being tuned into these opportunities for deposits and these opportunities to avoid withdrawals, especially if you're not aware of them, can do wonders for the trust building that you can have with a client such that they will sign on the dotted line faster, they will say yes to higher prices, and they will be easier clients to work with. So that's what I'm going to talk about all month is how to build a love bank, a trust bank with your clients that is bountiful and overflowing, how to avoid the withdrawals that will either sour the relationship at the beginning and lose you the client or make the client not trust you enough such that the projects go out of scope over time um, so that clients are questioning you. Like these are all things we'll talk about are the reasons that we do not want to make withdrawals, you know, at all costs really. And by the way, while we're talking about all these love bank opportunities for clients, you can also think about them as they relate to your personal life. Because I know I have had the experience that certain relationships where there are more deposits than withdrawals, the relationship is very um, loving and also 
everyone brings the benefit of the doubt to every conversation. And on the flip side, when you are used to people withdrawing or there are withdrawals as much as there are deposits, or even if there's a really big withdrawal, it takes so many deposits over time to erase the negative feeling of that withdrawal. So everything I'm going to share about this love bank idea as it relates to your projects and your clients and making everything just so much easier so that everybody gets the most out of the project and out of the relationship, everything I'm going to talk about really does also extend to relationships in your life. And I've certainly applied these concepts to my relationships in my life, and I've seen a lot of great results from it. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Until next week, I just want you to notice and think about all the different people in your life and relationships, personal and business relationships that you've had, where people have only put deposits into it, and other people may have um, so many withdrawals that you re- you notice how you feel differently about those two people. And what do you think that does to the relationship? And what do you think that does to the professional relationship that you have with different people? Just notice that for the next week. And then next week, we are going to talk about the kinds of things you can do to generate and create lots of deposits into your relationships with prospects from the moment they interact with your brand through the entire project so that it is seamless, the clients are happy, they get the most value out of you possible, and you enjoy the process. That's all I've got for you today. I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with more no BS tips for your agency so you can find more profit, ease, and freedom. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs. 